Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. And he said to them, Jesus, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, where when they hear, notice Satan, you do have an adversary, you do have an enemy. The Bible's not afraid to name him, and neither should you. Because he's a, he's a loser. He's a scumbag. You should not be intimidated. You should not be afraid. He is a defeated foe. And the only power he has is the power you give him. I hear it all the time. People say, oh, I wouldn't be talking like that. He might hear you. Well, that's where I'm talking. So he does hear me. He can't touch me. He can't touch my home. He can't touch me. He's a, he's a defeated foe. If you understood what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago, you would talk big too, amen? Because you got a bigger brother. you got an elder brother. Oh, hallelujah. So, so, see, 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 here we go. Here we go. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, and this deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things, not bad things, just other things, enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. These are the ones on good ground. They hear the word, they accept it, they embrace it, they employ it into their lives, and they produce God's best in their lives. There's a lot we could say about this passage. The Bible teaches that if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand all parables, and you won't understand how the kingdom of God works. This actually tells you how the kingdom of God works. Satan's not trying to steal your car. And he's certainly not trying to steal your wife. There's only one thing that the thief has come to steal, and that is the Word of God. And if he can steal the Word of God, he can steal everything that God has promised to do in your life. He's not after your stuff. He's not giving you the flat tires. There's only one thing he wants. He wants to, steal, he wants to make sure. There's four types of people that the Bible talks about here. The first one, they hear the word because they don't value the word. The, able, the, the Satan himself is able to snatch it away. People get irritated when I say this all the time, but, but Satan never misses a church service. And, and, and there's people in this room because you don't value the word. We're going to teach the word, but the enemy will get, get right in your face and take that word away because he knows it's the word that has the potential to change your life. 
Bible says the one that doesn't value it, he's able to steal the word and he's able to keep God's best from your life. The second area is, 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 that, is, is because of uh, just persecution and, and, and trouble and trials and, and just the, the, the difficulties of life. You know, you get excited, we shout, we, we have a great service, but we get out, outside and we, we face a crisis, we face a situation, and it's in that crisis, it's in that moment, it's in that meltdown that the enemy is able to come and steal that word. That's the second type of hearer of the Word of God. And then the Bible outlines a third kind, a person that, that hears the Word of God. They, they get excited. They're, they're probably coming every Sunday, but, but they have desires for other things, and their priorities are all messed up. So they don't, they don't value the Word to the degree that it really works in their life. Isn't it amazing that only one out of four believers, this is talking about believers, by the way, only one out of four believers ever produce what God has promised in their life. These are the ones sown on good ground. They hear the word and they accept the word and they embrace the word and they work it into every aspect of their life and it begins to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Say this out loud, Satan, you can't have my word. Say it again. Say, Satan, you can't have my word. Satan, take your hands off my word. Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49. We'll see how this all fits in. This is our opening text that we've been using because we've been in a summer theme of uh, make no little plans here. And notice what God says here, Isaiah says concerning God, great, great, great intel, great insight, great revelation. Uh, in fact, I, I need to be cautious because I probably could just park right here and, and preach the rest of the message, the things that God has been giving to me. And we read this every week and you're wondering why we're reading it every week, because we're going to read it until you start believing that God is bigger than what you've made him. God can do more than what, what you've allowed him to do in your life. Isaiah said this concerning his God. He says, I find the source of all my strength in my God, who says it's too small of a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore and preserve the ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Without going into detail, what God is saying is you've made my ability a little thing. And God is challenging their mindsets by saying, I can do more than just save your life. I can do more than just reach your family. I can do more than just reach your neighborhood. God says, I can reach the whole world if you'll get bigness on the inside of you. He says, I, I've got salvation, not just for you, but I got salvations for your, for your family and for your friends and for your kids and for your grandkids. I got salvation for your coworkers. I got salvation for Clovis and Fresno. Come on, somebody. God is saying, this, this is, this is, this is, it, it's like behind the scenes of who God is. It's his character. It's his nature. One of the saddest verses in all the Bible is how the, 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 how the people of God, the Bible says the people of God limited the Holy One of Israel. Not that God could not do it, but God cannot do it if you don't allow Him to do it. it. It depends on your faith. And many of us have shrunk our God, and we just made Him a cute little Sunday morning God. And I'm here to tell you, God can heal your marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, God can restore your family. 
God can fix that financial issue. God can heal you of cancer. God can heal you of disease. God can give you a long life. God can prosper your life. But you've got to believe that God is able. You've got to believe that God is bigger. And that's what he's coming in this verse, and he's challenging mindsets. He says, you've made me too small. I can do more. It's too small of a thing. I'm a bigger God than that. He says, you're thinking too too small. I have bigger plans for you. I have bigger things on my, on my mind. Just a, a side note here. Isaiah said himself, he said, this revelation, some of you need to hear this today, this revelation that God is, is bigger than what I've allowed him to be, that I've limited God and that he can do more than what I think he can do. He can do. That revelation, that understanding in his heart begins to give him the strength it began to, it began to, uh, it began to, he says, I find the source of all my strength in my God who says, so many people are weak today. So many people are quitting today. So many people are depressed today. But, but Isaiah says, I find the source of my strength, understanding that my God can do more in my life. How do you find strength today? Allow God to be big. Allow God, allow God to be the answer that you need. So today I declare over your life, it's not getting smaller. It's getting bigger, it's getting better, it's getting brighter, and it's getting greater. I have more things. I think next week we'll go into that. More things that God gave me on that this last week because I, I feel like part of the assignment and the reason why we're including this in the message is part of the assignment is to get you dreaming about a big God. Make no little plans here. The church is like that, that movie. Honey, I shrunk the kids. The church has shrunk their God. He's bigger than what you've made him to be. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what you're going through. God can fix it. God can heal it. God can deliver. And I feel like that's part of the assignment this summer is to get us into a position that we're dreaming again, that we're believing again. That we're, we're, we, we understand we serve a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could think or, or ask. Now, the last several weeks, we've been talking about that before God was able to do big things in the life of his people, we've been looking in the book of Joshua and how Joshua was, was leading, leading God's people into a new season of their life of expansion and enlargement. God, God had a land for them that flowed with milk and honey, a land of provision, great provision. The Bible said that they, they ever would possess that land, that they would not be in need and would not be in want. What would that look like? But what's interesting is before God allows them to go into that big place, that enlarged place that he had for them, God began to talk to them about three specific things. He talked about their yesterdays. He talked about their tomorrows. And he talked about their todays. And we won't go back into it, but we understand this is that before God can do something big in your life, he has to talk to you about your yesterdays. And what he wants to tell you is that he has healing for your yesterdays. Many people never experience the big things of God because they're stuck in the pain of their yesterday. And God wants you to know he can heal it. Oh, you need to hear that today. God wants you to know he can fix it. Yeah, it might have happened to you, but it's not your whole story. It's just a chapter in the book of your life. And then God makes a promise to their people, to these people about their tomorrows. He says, you consecrate yourself today, for tomorrow I will do amazing things or miracles in your life. And so we have a promise. 
to get miracles back on our calendars, that God is a miracle-working God, that God wants to help you in life, and God has miracles for you. And then he talked about their todays, and if you read the first three chapters of Joshua, God begins to talk about their todays, and God gives them five specific preparations concerning their todays. In other words, they need to get healing for their yesterdays, they need to get miracles on the calendars for their tomorrows, but they're not going to see the miracles tomorrow if they don't do these five preparations today. In other words, we understand that in the Bible, God always has his part, but you have your part if you're ever going to see God's part. God is faithful to do his part, and there's five specific things that they had to do in order to see the big things of God. I'm telling you, these are the same five things you're going to have to do. The very first thing that God begins to talk to them about was he needed them to prepare their priority. That has to do with the daily priority of God's word. Now, this is the fifth week we've been on this. And you might be saying, uh, why are we spending so much time on this one? Because this is the most important. It's why we call it the priority. It is your daily, it's the most important thing you'll ever do in life. Once your eyelids open up, the first thing you should be doing is reading the Word of God, allowing the Word of God, worshiping the Word of God. The priority of God's Word is the key in order to see the big things of God in your life. I I, want to just throw this out because I need you to be here next week. Number two is we we were singing about it uh, singing about a while ago. But you will never see the big things of God in your life as long as as you are entangled and paralyzed by fear. And next week, we are going to talk about this priority, is the priority of your position. And I believe this is going to be a, I believe the next couple weeks, probably only take us one to two weeks, I believe there's just going to be miracles in this area. Listen, the enemy can't do anything in your life except he does it by fear. Fear is, is, is the currency of hell. Faith is the currency of heaven. And if you can get the fear out of your life, the devil's done messing with you. The very thing you fear is what comes upon you, the Bible says. We're driving fear out of this church because we got miracles in our tomorrow. Come on. You're not going to want to miss the next couple of weeks. Amen. Because that is the believer's position, a, a position of courage. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. What are you fearful about? God's with you. See, I'm already starting to preach it. God's with you. I said, God's with you. Why are you panicking? God's with you. Come on, he's seen the report. God's with you. Come on, he knows the bank account. God's not stupid. He's with you. And he's saying, Joshua, don't be afraid. Be strong and have good courage. I got good things for you. I got big things for you. But, but let's see if we can finish up the priority of God's, God's word. We talked about, let me just read here, Joshua 1.8. So much for that it, review, huh? Sometimes we get more in the review, right? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. He's introducing the first priority to Joshua. But you shall meditate in it day and night. There's your todays. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. It's not a dirty word. And then you will have good success. It's not a dirty word. God's heart is that you would be successful. God gets no joy out of you struggling. That's not your God. God loves you. 
He wants you to be successful in life. And the first thing God says to Joshua, in order to, to lead God's people into this place of enlargement, God says, you, you've got to get this book in your life. This book of the law. This, this book. God has a book that will bring you into a place of abundance, a place of enlargement, a place of increase. There is a book that will enlighten you. In fact, the Bible says his word, the entrance of his word brings light. There's a book that will enrich you. There's a book that has all the answers to life's issues and problems that you're looking for. This book is called the Word of God. It's the most important book that you could ever get in your life. It is your manual for successful living. Now, we spent much time talking about the authority of God's Word. And the reason why that's so huge is, um, and that's the reason why we're on five lessons of this, is is because there's, there's, there's an assault on the Word of God in the culture we live in. There is the attempt and the assault to deconstruct and discredit the authority of God's Word. There is the Antichrist and an anti-Bible spirit that is alive and well in our culture. And uh, if you weren't here the last several weeks, we talked about the authority of the Word of God. Jesus is not your Lord if the Word of God is not your Lord. And in the day we live in, they're, 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 they're just rewriting the Word, coming out with all kinds of new translations. Isn't that convenient? Recently heard about the Queen James Version of the Bible. Not the King James, the Queen James Version of the Bible, which reconstructs an ungodly narrative. Make sure that when you get a Bible, don't get a paraphrase. Get a translation. Paraphrases are what people think God's saying. Translation is what God is saying. Paraphrase, a paraphrase will help you in your study, but start with a translation of the Bible. The Bible says those that add or take away from God's Word shall be accursed. It's a dangerous thing, and our culture is doing it. They're, they're coming out with all kinds of new material, updated versions of the Bible to, to deconstruct and discredit. Are you listening to me? And the Bible says the person that adds or takes away, let them be accursed. What, what does that mean? It means they live their life under a curse. And then the Bible goes on and says, and the person that does so, every plague in this book shall come upon their life. As for me, and I know we're strong right here, but, but as for me in this house, we're a Bible-believing church. Come on, can I get a witness? I'm just telling you, we're not rewriting it. We're not adding to it. We're not taking away. Whatever God says, it is Word, and we're going to live our lives by it. Amen. Can I hear a big yes? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. So what's interesting is a couple weeks ago, we... So we talked about the authority of God's Word, and then we talked about the power of God's Word. How many of you give me at least 15 more minutes? Come on, I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get there. So we talked about the authority of God's Word. If you didn't hear those, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those. Uh, we talked about the power of God's It's the carrier. It's, the Word of God is pregnant with miracles. And then last time we were together, we began to talk about our responsibility with the Word. And most people have never heard this. You have a responsibility. In other words, if the Word is going to work in your life, the Word according to, to Joshua here, what God told Joshua, is the Word has to be three places in your life. 
And so we begin to look at the first place it has to be. God's word must be first and foremost in your mouth. Notice Joshua 1.8, it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your what? The word of God that stays in the book will not change your life. A lot of, this was my biggest frustration growing up is that, is that I believed in a powerful God, a miracle working God, but I never seen much of it. N nobody ever told me, hey, you gotta get the words off that page and get them in your mouth. You gotta get those words off the page and get them in your mind. You gotta get the, page, the, the words off those pages and get them in your actions. And God tells Joshua, listen, it's not enough just to know the authority of God's word. It's not enough just to know that the, it's the power of God's word, but the word of God has to get out of the book and get in your life for it to affect your life. And the first thing he tells Joshua, he says, you've got to get this word in your, your mouth for the word of God to change your life. It's got to get out of the book and in your mouth. We talked about how the Bible uh, is called the great confession or Christianity is called the great confession. Confession is, does, does not mean to, to, to ask for forgiveness necessarily. Confession means to say the same thing God says. It means to say the word of God. And we talked about how Jesus is the high priest over our declaration or confession of the word of God. And since he is the high priest and he's watching over the word that comes out of our mouth, he says this, don't give up on speaking the word of God. He says, hold fast to your confession. Don't just say, I'm healed once. Say, I am the healed of the Lord. Bless God. And then say, I am the healed. And, and the Bible says, your high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is watching over that word to perform it in your life. I do love my wife, dear Jesus. Say that 50 times, you might start loving her. You might start washing the dishes. Hallelujah. Woo! So that's all review, too. In Romans 10, 8, let's pick up here. says, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we preach. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Notice the word of God is near you, but it's not enough just to be near you. It's got to be somewhere. It's got to be in your mouth and in your heart. And whatever actually gets in your heart gets in your mouth. Talked about that last time. Right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to know what's in your heart, just listen to yourself. Record yourself and you'll find out what's in your life or in your heart. But God says it's not enough for it to be near you. This is how, this is how the Word of God works. It's got to be in your heart and it's got to be in your, your mouth. According to this verse, for God's Word to work, it's got to be in your heart and in your mouth. It's how you got saved. The Bible says, with the heart you believe, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. That word salvation does not just mean eternal life. That means healing. That means wholeness. That means break everything that God provides. You have to not only believe it in your heart, but you have to speak it out of your, your mouth. That's how you got saved. How did you get saved? You had to believe in your heart and confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that's how you got saved. The same way you get saved is the same way you get healed. It's the same way you bring God's provision into your life. It's the same way you bring peace. Whatever you're lacking, whatever you're needing, go find the word for it, get it in your heart, and start speaking it out of your mouth, and it'll manifest in your life. Are you here? Oh, yeah. Somebody say, shout, oh, yeah. 
It really is that simple. We, now listen, you don't struggle with, you know, believing that for salvation because none of you want to go to hell. But you ought to start believing that for healing and, and deliverance and breakthrough and, and, and your family being restored. And it, it, it's, it happens. That's how faith works. The way faith works is it has to get in your heart and come out your mouth. God tells Joshua, you want, me, you want to experience the big things of God in your life? You've got to get the Word of God in your mouth. Mark 11, 22, 23. Many of us know this. Jesus explains how faith works. It's the same way here. Jesus answered and said to them, his disciples, have faith in God. One translation says, have the faith of God. For surely I say to you, whoever says, 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 open your mouth, says, to this mountain, that's figurative of whatever your issue is, whatever your problem is, whatever you're believing God for, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, there's your one believe, that those things he says, there's your second says, 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 whatever those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he what? Not believes what he. Notice, believing is one time, saying is three times. You will always have to do a whole lot more saying than you will believing. For faith to move your mountain, it first has to move your mouth. You will never see it if you don't say it. The Word of God has to get in your mouth, and then you start moving the mountains with your mouth. You get the Word of God in your heart, and then you start speaking the Word of God out of your mouth. The Bible says your mouth is the steering wheel to your life, and you're going to have to do a whole lot more saying than believing. You say, well, I don't know that I can do that. You're already doing it. This happens in reverse. Everything you've got in life is because of your mouth. Because your mouth, your mouth is hooked up to your believer. And whatever you believe, your mouth is just the speaker of it. And your speaker will take you right there. Well, nothing ever good happens to me. Well, that's the reason why nothing good ever happens to you. You ought to start saying things always happen. Things always work out for my best. Hey, I'm, I'm going somewhere to happen. I'm the head and not the tail. Greater is he. You ought to speak. My marriage is great. My wife treats me wonderful. Oh, she never burns my food. Gonna have to say that a lot, but we're gonna get there. How, how many of you see? I'm trying to teach this and not preach it. Jesus taught this. Your master, your savior, the one you get a little tear about. He said, uh, uh, he said, he said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says, he shall have whatsoever things he says. You get what you say. That's what he's telling Joshua. Get my word and put it in your mouth and start moving the mountains in your life. Does anybody have any mountains you need to be moving? Come on, does anybody have any situations you need to be breaking through? Jeremiah says it like this, 23, 28. He says, the one who has my word should speak it with unshakable faith. Woo. Should speak it with unshakable faith. Did you know, and this is the reason why I want to go back into this part right here. Did you know that there are angels ready to help you right now? 
How many of you know you have assigned angels, angelic hosts right now in the unseen realm? If you could see it, you'd probably wet your pants. There are angels waiting to help your life, to help, to help, to help God's plan for your life. Let, let me prove it to you. It says in, it says in Hebrews 1.14, it says, for the angels are only spirit messengers sent out to help and care for who? Those who are to receive his salvation. Has anybody received salvation? Does anybody love Jesus? And notice, and notice they are there to do what? Not hurt you. They're there to assist you. Has anybody been using their angels lately? Has anybody been getting any angelic help lately? Some of you, you haven't worked your angels for a long time, but it's time to activate your angel. But, but you might be saying, well, well how, how do I get my angels to work? I'm glad you asked. You're in the right place. Psalms 103, verse 20. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his what? Who do his what? Who do his what? Not your agenda, not your preference. Huh? Not your desires. These angels do what? The Word of God. Heeding what? The voice of what? Not your voice, but what? The voice of His Word. The voice of His Word. Angels are dispatched when they hear the voice of the Word of God. Question, who is it that gives voice to the Word of God? According to the Bible, Joshua, get this word in your mouth and give voice to the word. And when you give voice to the word, angels are dispatched and begin to work on your behalf. As long as you're talking your nonsense, angels aren't helping. But when you put the powerful word of God, the authority of God's word in your mouth, it causes angels to go to work to bring that word to pass in your life. Somebody ought to shout yes. Come on. Some of you you, you, you haven't worked your angels for years. You're the one that gives voice to the Word of God. You need to take God's words off the pages of your Bible and speak them out of your mouth, letting the power that's contained in those words to produce the supernatural result in your life. This is a strong statement, but I need to say this. I think I might have said it last time, but this is a powerful statement. As a believer, God's words in your mouth is as powerful as God's words in his mouth. When God spoke, he created. But God's words, because he's given you the authority and the permission, and he's commanded you to do it, God's words in your mouth is as powerful as God's words in his mouth. And your angels are just listening every day for the voice of not your desires. Come on, not your passions, but they're listening for the voice of the Word of God. And you, you boldly declare in the, in the face of that bad doctor's report that by the stripes of Jesus, you know what happens? It brings them out of their slumber. It brings them out of their sleep. 
they throw off their covers. They say, the nap's over, guys. Somebody's declaring the voice of God's word. By his stripes, I am the healer of the world. And the Bible says angelic help begins to administer the word of God, bringing it to pass. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. Some of you need to wake your angels up. I said, some of you need to wake your angels up. So you got to get it in your mouth. The second area, you got to get in your mouth, mouth uh, your mind. And I'm going to go through these really quick. You watch. Is that our youth minister saying that? Is there doubt and unbelief over there? Got to get in your mouth. Second area, you got to get in your mind. Again, all of these could be a huge, huge message, but, but let, me just, let me just hit this and go. You have to think God's word. Notice in verse 8, this book of the law, this is what he told Joshua, you shall meditate in it day and night. So Joshua's responsibility with the word. It's, we get excited, the authority of God's word, the power of God's word, but here's Joshua, now you have a responsibility. Church, you have a responsibility with the word of God. That's what we're teaching. If you want to see the Word of God, the most frustrating thing is to be a Christian and never see the Word of God work. That is so, oh, it's like, shoot me now. Put me out of my misery. If this thing doesn't work, what a waste of time this is. Really? You want to spend your life doing this? But if it's true, and it works, and it can move mountains, and it can change situations, and all I got to do is I got to get it in my mouth and I got to get it in my mind. He says, you need to meditate in it, what, day, day and night. This is your todays. So God's word, again, that stays in the Bible or in the book will not change your life. For the Bible to change your life, it must change the way you think. And this is a big problem. Because <laughs> you didn't wake up thinking like God. I know you did, think you did, you know. Well, God knows my heart. People say that all the time. When I say, you know, people, people, when I tell people, you don't think like God. Oh, no, 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 God. No, God knows my heart. And you say that like that's a good thing. The truth is God does know your heart. That's kind of a scary thing, really. So for God's word to change your life, it must change the way you think. The way you think is more important than you think. The way you think is more important than you think. The way you think is more important than you think. The way you think is more important than you think. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his life, so he stinks. That's my version. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his life, so he is. The way you think is, 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 is the way you become. You have to think. So, so, in order, so in other words, the way you think determines the way you become. So, so you have to think the word to become the word. You have to think the word to become. The way you think is what you become. If you think you're a loser, guess what? You're going to manifest a lifestyle of just losing. The Bible says as a person thinks, that's what you become in life. Your mind is your limiter. Your mind is what controls your death. It's just like the, your mouth. It's a steering wheel to your life. And the way you think is, is, what, is, is the life you become. So if you want the Word of God to become your life, you've got to think the Word of God. But just like I said earlier, many Christians assume that they know what the Bible says. Uh, I used to think this all the time. I, I, th I used to say, well the, well, the Bible sounds just like me, doesn't it? 
Because we think, I know that's, a, that's kind of a prideful statement, right? That, well, the Bible sounds, but the way we talk, we act like the Bible sounds just like us. We, 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 we think that it agrees and, and validates our behaviors and our ways and our ideas. <laughs> but the truth is, you think you sound a lot like God until you start reading the Word of God. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You think you sound a whole lot like the Word of God until you find out, oh, I got to give my money. Oh, forget that page. Oh, got to love my wife. Oh, no, no, I didn't do great with that. Yeah. Should be faithful to church. Oh, didn't like that one either, huh? You, you don't sound like God. You cut and pasted. You added and you took away. And you got plagues going in your life. God's ways and God's thoughts are not pre-programmed into our life. Please hear what I'm getting ready to say. In fact, Isaiah 55 and 8 says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is just basic starting one-on-one here. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts your thoughts. So what is God saying? We just don't think the same. And that is why God gave us his word, so that we can think like God. But if you're never reading it to reprogram your hard drive of your mind, then you don't start thinking like God. I, I, I was reading stuff. I've been doing this all my life. I was reading stuff in Proverbs. And says, God, I've never seen that before. I didn't know you thought that way. There's an issue here, Lord. I guess I got to change my thinking. Right? I got to start loving my neighbor instead of cussing them out. You didn't read that one, did you? I'm going to take him to court. You didn't read that one either, did you? That's the reason why James 1.21 says, Receive with humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Man, I got, I got to just hit this and go. Please understand you are a triune being. You're, you, you are a spirit. You, 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 ha, you, you have a soul. You possess a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. You are not a body. The guy that you took care of and cleaned up this morning, the gal that you took care of, and cleaned, that's really not you. That's just the house you look out of. Just like your house isn't you, it's just the building you live in. The, the only reason why you can be on earth is you have an earth suit. But when you die and we have your funeral, you'll still be alive. Your earth suit will be here and you'll be where, wherever you are. For believers to be absent from the body is to be present with the... Come on, is anybody excited about that day? So now what's cool is this body that, that is, is going to be raised back up and it's going to be glorified. The immortality. We don't want to get, see, I'll get into all of that. But I want to talk about your soul. Your soul. So when you got saved and, and believed, believed in Jesus, uh, received him as Lord, the Bible says that miracle happened in your spirit. It's you. It's the real you looking out these windows right here. You, you became in the very image and likeness of God. Your spirit is perfect, complete, made righteous. But you, still go, you can still be a raunchy person. And the reason is, is because the Bible says your soul didn't get saved. 
Your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions. Your spirit man, the life of God lives on the inside. You're all of God on the inside, but your mind, will, and emotion has to go through a process of being saved. Let's read it again. He says this. He said, receive with humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotion. Your feelings aren't saved. That's the reason why never listen to your feelings because they'll lie to you. They're not, you have to tell your feelings how you're gonna feel. I don't ask my body how to feel, I tell my body. There's so much here. Can I tell you, your feelings have no IQ. And the Bible says the only thing that begins to save your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, like your spirit man, is you gotta start receiving the word of God and then there's a transformation that begins to happen. You begin to think more like God. You begin to act more like God. You begin to behave more like God. Are you with me? That's the reason why Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Real God transformation happens in your life when you begin to change the way you think. Do you know the Bible says that you have the mind of Christ? 1 Corinthians says, we have, we have been given the mind of Christ. I've been trying to find it. Finally realized, because we used to quote that, I have the mind of Christ, but I just knew I wasn't that smart. Till I realized this is the mind of Christ. And you ought to lose your mind and start reprogramming your mind to the way he thinks. Amen. Come on, are you with me? So here's what we're saying. God's Word is like a USB drive waiting to be downloaded into your operating system. And when you download it, it'll protect you from the ransomware and the malware attacks of the enemy. It's just waiting for you to daily download it into your life. And if you're not downloading it, then your soul is not being changed. And if your soul is not being transformed and renewed by God's Word, your soul will, will, will take over your life and lead you down the wrong road. Your feelings will take you over your life and lead you down, lead you down the wrong road of life. So much more to say on that, but I've got to finish. Here's the third one, your actions. God's word must be in your actions. I'm just going to give you one passage in this. So God's word to work in your life has to be in your mouth, has to be in your mind, and has to be in your actions. We're, worship team, you can come back. Notice Joshua 1.8, this book of the law, observe to do according to all that is written in it. Observe to do. So it's got to be in your actions. So again, God's word in the book will not change your life. For God's word to change your life, these words got to get in your action. People ask all that, how do I get the word to work? How do I get the word of God to work in my life? I need the word to work. We're teaching you. Get it in your mouth. Get it in your mind. Get it in your actions and do it every day of your life. And you'll see miracles in your life. You'll see transformation in your life. You'll see big things of God in your life. That's how we do it. That's how you work the Word of God. If you will work the Word of God, God's Word will work for you. So God tells Joshua, get it in your actions. He says, it says in James 1.22, put the Word into action. If you think hearing is what matters most, you are going to find you have been deceived. I like the ERV translation of that. Do what God's teaching says. And you were all shouting a while ago. What happened? Anytime God starts messing with our behavior, isn't it? We just get quiet. Huh? 
Why? Because we want to do what we want to do. But you can't do what you want to do and have God bring you into the big things. Hello. If you want God's Word to work, then, then nobody's going to make you. But, but here, here's how you make it happen. Mouth, mind, actions. ERV says, do what God's teaching says. Don't just listen and do nothing. When you only sit and listen, you are fooling yourselves. I think that's what we've done in Christianity. Stir me up, preacher. Preach another good sermon. Make me feel good about myself. And then we go home, most miserable on Monday because it's not working. Because God didn't say just come together and shout. God says, I need to change your behaviors. I need to change the way you think. I need to change the way you talk. And if we'll do what God says to do, we'll see what God has promised in our life. We'll start moving mountains. We'll start having revival. We'll start seeing restoration. Come on, we'll start turning negative reports around. Oh, come on, there should be a bigger amen than that. James 1.25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, and continues in it, is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, a doer of the work, there's a work, there's a work, a doer of the work. Not to get saved, but there is a work of ministry. This one will be blessed in what he does. It's only doers. My spiritual father used to say this every time he'd get up and speak. It's only doers of the word that sees the results. It's only doers of the word that sees. It's only doers of the word that sees results. Say this, let me say, I'm a doer. Say it like you mean. Say, I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. Let me give you this last verse in John 15, 7. I keep saying the last one, but even preachers lie sometimes. Hallelujah. God says to Joshua, you want to see big things in your life? I'm getting ready to take you into a promised land. A land of abundance, a land that's just going to blow your mind. I'm going to do great things in your marriage, in your home, in your family, in your kids, in your job. In your... God, God says, I'm going to do great things in your life. But if I'm going to be able to do these great things in your life, I need you to have a priority of my word. Because Joshua, churchgoer, God's word carries an authority. God's word carries power. And if you'll get God's word in your mouth and in your mind and in your action, here's what John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Hello. Hello. Actions, mind, mouth. If my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. This is Jesus talking, by the way. NLV translation says, if you get your life from me and my words live in you. If, my word, if you're working my word, if my words live in you, it is controlling the way you act. It is controlling the way you think. If it's controlling the way you talk, then you can ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. Come on. Why is that? Why is that? Because God told Jeremiah when he called him into ministry, one of the things he told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 117, he said, Jeremiah, I'm watching over my word. To, to perform it in your life. I'm here to tell you, God is watching over his word to perform it in his life. And he's got many angels ready to go to work if you'll just give voice to it. Amen.
I said, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Stand to your feet. I think I just finished the first point. Hallelujah. Nobody leaving. As we wrap this up. If you want to see the big things of God in your life, if you want life to get bigger and better and brighter, greater, then you must have a daily priority of God's Word in your life. I revert back to what we said in the beginning. Satan's not trying to steal your wife. Satan's not trying to steal your car and he doesn't want your house. All he has to do is steal the Word and he's rendered your life ineffective. The only thing you need to fight for when it comes as a believer in Christ is fight to get the Word in your life, out of the book and into your life. Come on, does this help anybody? Come on, does this help anybody? Can, can I? Woo! Hallelujah. The Word of God is more powerful than you think. That's the reason why when you, you, ever, you ever connect to somebody that's doing what I'm teaching, they carry an authority and a power. You just know when you walk in the presence of a real man and a woman of God, there's such a presence, such an anointing. I mean, hell is, is scared spitless over people like that. Hell's not scared over this casual church thing that we do. But you get people doing the Word of God. You get people believing the Word of God. You get people speaking the Word of God and speaking to mountains to be removed. I'm here to tell you, there ain't no devil in hell that can stop a church. Come on, make no little plans here. I said make no little plans. Come on, our God's bigger than what you made Him to be. He's bigger. He's bigger. Okay. All right, so I meant to do this in the beginning because some of you are posting about my cat stories. And some of you invited people because our pastor talks about cats in church. So for those that wanted to hear the cat story, make no little plans. Here, 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 here. Can I give you a quick update on the cats? Okay, I guess I can move to go somewhere else and tell them. They don't want to hear it, Tom. You want to hear my cat story? You want to hear my cat story, yeah? Thought maybe I was in the wrong church. You want to hear my dog stories? I got dogs too. You want to hear my dog story? Getting ready to go hunting. You want to hear my deer stories? Anybody want to hear my deer stories? Huh? Okay, come on now. Huh? Woo. Several weeks ago, unknowingly to us, we had some cats move into our garage. I had seen the mama cat carrying baby cats. I didn't know where she was taking them, but she had apparently found a place in my garage, in my UTV, which is a kind of a, a little golf cart kind of thing. And she put those cats in the floorboard of that UTV, and there was, a, uh, there was a cover of it that she drugged down. And so when we would go out in our garage, we did not know we had cats in our garage. And this probably went on for a couple of weeks. We opened our garage, and I guess she'd go out there, and I kept seeing, you know, things like mice and things and bloody things and I should have got a witness. My wife was out there one day and she hears this, hears this noise over in this UTV floorboard. We, we, we were shocked like cats have moved into our floorboard of our little, it's not a golf cart, it's my hunting machine. I'm telling you, it's a hunting machine. I'm just going to be straight up with you, it's my hunting machine. So anyhow, so 
goth cart. That sounds like a sissy thing. <laughs> if you ever seen my golfing game, you know it's a sissy thing because I, I hit people. Last time I went golfing, I, I put it right through the roof of a golf cart. I, my, oh, yeah, anyhow. I was told I'd never reach them. I reached them. They were going down the fairway, and I put a golf ball right in between them. and went, It put a hole in the top of that golf cart. They have banned me from every golf course in America. So, all right, you don't want to hear my cat story, do you? You don't want to hear my cat story? Okay. All right. So, oh, you love cats? Okay, can I, just a full disclosure, uh, full, full disclosure here. Um, I'm a, I'm a recovering cat hater. So I'm just like, I'm just a recovering. Some days it's good, some days it's not. I just have to be honest with you. But anyhow, so, so, so we felt bad for the cats. They're just small, you know, it's just, they're, they're going to die if we don't help them, right? We're going to, we need to help, right? So with the great compassion that we have as pastors, we decided, okay, you know, the floorboard's a little small. We'll just give them our garage, right? Because it's too small of a thing. See, see, you're following me now, right? It's too, so we give them our, our garage, right? And then our neighbors are all concerned because our population of cats are, are going up in the HOA. And these are wild cats, so they reached out to us to make sure that we get the cats fixed. Well, the young ones were too young to get this, so we had to take Mama and had Mama fixed. It broke our hearts in the waiting room, and it just... It's, 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 and... and <laughs> so then my wife informs me that that the cat has stitches. Now, mind you, when they're living in the garage, they're doing breakouts at night. We leave the, I was leaving the window open and they tore up my screens. We lost the cats, lost them for days. They, they crawled up in an RV at our neighbors. My wife has trackers on, it's just been, it's crazy. It's just crazy. We were up underneath an RV of a neighbor. If they would have came out, they would have, Pastor, what are you doing down there? You know, it's like, we're trying to find our cats. And my wife's saying, they're up in the RV. Some, the, the tracker said, the, uh, so they're taking over our garage. And then my wife says, she has stitches. And, and it's not good to leave the cat in the garage because, because it's hot, you know. And, and, and then she's going to go out and she's going to rub the stitches. And then we're going to, it's going to cost a fortune to get those things back in. And just like, okay, let's bring them in the laundry room. Let's bring the cat the mama cat in the laundry room, right? And the washroom, right? And, 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 uh, but but the, the little ones can't stay out in the garage because they've got to have mama. So the whole, be, because, because, be, because the garage is too small of a thing. So now we got them in air conditions. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Let me just end the story really quick. Uh, so I knew it was coming. We got the little ones fixed. They're still in the laundry room, but something shifted this last week because I could tell it was in the eyes of that mama cat. It was never about the floorboard. It was never about my garage, and it was never about the laundry room. It was about my whole house. I'm studying in my office this morning, and that cat comes running into my office. My dog is chasing it, and I'm saying, those cats have taken over my whole house. I knew they had an agenda, and I'm here to tell somebody it's too small of a thing. Come on, you need to start taking over. Come on, you need to go bigger. You need to dream bigger. 
You need to believe bigger. God's got bigger things in store for you. He's got the whole, whole house. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Somebody shout oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I've ran out of time. I've ran out of time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Baby, did you want to clear that up? I know she's been helping me in children's ministry. You, you back. I see you, baby. Did I tell it just like you told me to tell it? She's probably mad at me because I told it. It's too small of a thing. And do you know how you enter into the big thing? The priority of God's Word every day in your life. People say, I just don't enjoy reading the Word. Force yourself. You'll build an appetite. I hated broccoli. I still hate broccoli. My wife still feeds me broccoli, but she put some cheese on it last night. I said, baby, that's helping. You get it down however you can get it down. I'm here to tell you, because you're getting ready to possess your promised land. Come on, give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. All right, all right. So just, just bow your, your heads, close your eyes, right? We're going to make transition here. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you, you don't know what in the world you've been a part of this morning. I know it's been a heavy teaching day, but we're trying to get, we're trying to grow as a church. And, and a shout's not going to do it. We're going to have to get some understanding. But if you're here today and you've come into this environment, but you know you feel something and you know that something's tugging on your heart and you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that just before we close this service out and go back into one more worship song. If you're here today and you know you're not right with God, you've never surrendered your life to Him, and there's something on the inside of you compelling you to do that. The Bible says no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. I believe the Holy Spirit is drawing people into a right relationship with Jesus in this place. Maybe you've done that at one time, but maybe you've turned your back on God and you haven't been living for Him, but you're ready to make that adjustment. I'm here to tell you there's grace for you, sir. There's grace for you, ma'am. God loves you more than you could even imagine. And God's got good things for you. You have not done anything too bad that God would not receive you. Somebody needs to hear that. You need to hear that. Do you know that the majority of your Bible was written by three murderers? If God can use murderers to write the Bible, he certainly could use your life. Come on, don't you turn your back on God. There is grace flowing into your life right now. If that's you, as I look all over this building, believers praying, you know that you're not right with God and you want to get right with Him. You want to surrender your life or you want to rededicate your life to Him. Would you just raise your hand right up real, real high so I can see it. Just before the Lord, raise your hand all over the building. Just hold it up real high. Hands all over this place. Hold it up like you mean it today, God. I want to receive you. You can put your hands down. Everybody pray in this prayer. If you lifted your hand or should have lifted your hand, would you pray this prayer? It's not repeating a prayer. It's meaning a prayer. Would you pray this prayer with me and say, Father God, today I surrender my life to you. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe he died for me was raised from the dead for me, and today he is my Lord. Father God, from this day forward, with your help, 
I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Come on, give it up for those that prayed that prayer. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 